podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for a Friday whip around. So, uh, the whip arounds obviously this week, uh, held this year, have kind of taken on different looks. Um, just about every, just about every week, it's been a little bit different. Um, this week, I am going to start off. There, there's a little bit of news coming through um, for K State football. I will touch on it. Uh, then I'm going to touch on some K-State basketball here in the opening as some of the preseason stuff is coming out. Uh, we got the preseason all-conference Big 12 team that is out. I'll touch on that and then also kind of my expectations, kind of lay the groundwork of how I think this season's going to go. Uh, not that people should really invest too much in that because I was saying, hey, let's just squeak in. Let's, let's uh, not be nervous on Selection Sunday. And uh, sure enough, uh, we had a great season, even better tournament, uh, all that I could have helped hoped for last year. Um, we'll get to the primers. I got Mitch Fortner giving the K-State primer, trying to reset the season with our guy who usually kicks things off. Then I got my guy, Albie Shore, from the Tortillas and Takes podcast. Then I'm going to end, I'm going to talk about uh, K-State volleyball a little bit. Uh, they've had uh, two big wins in their last three matches over ranked teams. Uh, and, and then I'll, I'll kind of end with a little bit of K-State women's basketball talk um, because I, I think they're going to have a really fun year. And as the year goes, hopefully it's a big season for them and we're going to be talking about them all throughout the winter into the spring. Um, for better or worse, we're very kind of fair weather here. Uh, you know, we, we usually don't uh, talk too much about the non-revs uh, sports if they are tanking, if they suck, because uh, you know we haven't really brought up soccer much. They are not very good, uh, having another rough year. Um, so we'll do that at the back end. Uh, before we do, before we get into, it, I want to give a shout out to my friends, Manhattan Brewing Company. Championship Run is back in stock. So if you're getting off work a little early, if you're going to find yourself in Manhattan, or hell, if you live in the happiest place in the world, Manhattan, Kansas, get on down to the brewery, get a couple four packs before they're gone, because baby, 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 the only thing that's ever sold better than that is, is uh, you know Tang Party, which is dropping on Tuesday. So get into Manhattan Brewing Company, get yourself a couple beers, get yourself a couple drinks, uh, and bring them back home uh, because it's going to be a fun time. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I might have to find myself out to the brewery and get a couple four-packs myself. All right, uh, let's get into it. Uh, let, let's talk K-State basketball. Um, we've been we, we've been trickling stuff in, and I was really hoping that the preseason uh, rankings were going to come out. Um, I, I'm guessing they're going to come out Friday afternoon. We got the uh, preseason teams uh, right before I hit record. Um, so, sadly, not going to get that. Um, but that's all right. Uh, look, I, I'm very excited for this. 
I'm very excited for this season. I'm very excited. I'm heading out to Las Vegas for the opener, have season tickets again. I, I think this team really could be something special. Um, I think a lot of it hinges on, and this is where I'm going to start, is Naquan Tomlin. Naquan Tomlin, not honorable mention, all Big 12. Arthur Kaluma and Tyler Perry, both honorable mention. Um, I think either one of those guys could have had an argument for being in the uh, preseason all-conference team. But I think really, Naquan Tomlin is going to be the reason why this team either is on the bubble come selection Sunday, or maybe could surprise folks and maybe, you know, be contending for top two, top three, and and really cement yourself at worst as the fourth best team in the Big 12. Because Naquan Tomlin last year at times flashed and showed that, hey, he he is the most talented guy on K-State's roster. Um, Marquise Noel and and Keontae Johnson, they were all Americans last year. But there were times where there was no doubt in my mind that Naquan Tomlin is the most talented guy on this roster. And quite frankly, one of, if not the most talented guys in the entire Big 12. He has a skill set that could make him not only a first round draft pick, but a lottery draft pick. Where it all comes down to with Naquan Tomlin is his awareness of the situation, awareness of where he is on the court, and really being smart. Uh, there were periods of times, and quite frankly, sometimes like in, in, in the NCAA tournament, Naquan put the team in a bad spot because he was having stupid fouls. He was having a stupid turnover here or there, and really not playing with the awareness uh, to play within himself. Now, that comes from a guy being, like I said, if you're looking at raw basketball skills, the most talented guy on the floor. And again, as you'll hear probably every single basketball broadcast, next year is only going to be like the fourth year of him playing organized basketball. At the end of the day, he did not start playing organized basketball until he was playing at a Division II JUCO. So I guess this is actually going to be his fifth year playing organized basketball. It, it, it wasn't until... You know, he you know even got up to a higher quality JUCO where he, he was even doing any sort of weight training. This is still a guy who is learning how to play the game of basketball, which is a wild thing when you see how fluid of an athlete he is, how great he can be, how wide-ranging his game can be. So if Naquan Tomlin can unlock that potential and play with consistency. Because again, there were some games where he took over the game and some games where he just was kind of, you know, a supporting character. He was just along for the ride. If he can unlock that potential, if he can kind of unlock that consistency, again, I'm not saying he has to be Keontae John. He needs to be himself. But if we can get consistently a B-plus Naquan Tomlin, That takes K-State from being, you know, hey, you know, maybe upper half of the Big 12, probably not sweating on Selection Sunday, but it's going to be a 7 or 8 seed uh, type of season, to, okay, this is a team that could compete to try to get to, I think, the Final Fours in Arizona, Glendale, Arizona, I think. I think, I don't know. But, but a team that could compete to really make some noise in the Big 12, whether it's the Big 12 tournament or Big 12 regular season. A team that shouldn't have any fear when they step on the court versus anyone in the non-con. 
That's how good he can be. That's how good I hope he is. Um, I, I have such high hopes for Naquan Tomlin. And, and again, that's not to say that he's going to have 35 games where he's completely dialed in because no one has that. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, one bad game, uh, K-State's, you know, due to be a bubble team. No, that, that is not the case at all. But if you're able to get a locked-in, consistently B-to-B-plus from, from Naquan Tomlin, and then the occasional game where, hey, man, that's A-plus Naquan Tomlin. That's a lottery pick. That's a first-round draft pick. That's a guy who's going to be making a lot of money in the NBA. It balances out the occasional, hey, C, C-minus game where he has some turnovers, can't grab any rebounds, gets a little frustrating, only plays 20 minutes because of foul trouble. Those are going to happen. But if you can minimize those bad games, we all know those great games can happen. If you can take some of those games that were like C, C-minus type games and get them up to a B level for K-State this year, it's going to be massive. And again, he's going to have to be one of those guys. He's going to have to be you know, a, a guy you can depend on. You, you, for K-State to be at its best, they need Naquan Tomlin to be playing 30 minutes a game. That, that is where K-State's going to be at his best. If we can depend on 30 good minutes from Naquan Tomlin, uh, getting his buckets, grabbing rebounds, playing great defense. I mean, he, he can be a scary guy, and, and I'm hoping that he uses you know none of the Big 12 coaches. Zero Big 12 coaches put him on their preseason all-conference team. So, so I'm hoping he uses that as a little bit of motivation to get things going. The next guy that I'm really dialed in on is Cam Carter because I think Cam Carter last year, I think he was a prisoner of the expectations that K-State fans put on him. Uh, and, and I'm one of them. I hyped him up. I was like, all right, this was the transfer I'm excited for. This could be the guy. This could be the dog. This is going to be our lead guard. He's going to be the guy to take over uh, after Marquise leaves. And... I think we all put that expectation on him, and I, I think that he had plenty of games where he was very poor. Depending on the, there, there's some different uh, offensive metrics out there that had him as one of the worst players in the Big Twelve on the offensive side of the ball. Now, I, I don't think any, I, I don't think there's perfect, uh, you know, uh, offensive. I don't think there's perfect analytics for anything. I like to try to look at the game through that lens. Because I think I think it really helps from a team perspective. I, I really like when it comes to basketball, adjusted uh, points based on pace, defensive rating, and all that stuff as a team. I think it's a little wonky. I think it's a little suspect when you start using them for individual players. Because here's the thing. Cam Carter was not one of the worst guards. He was not one of the worst players in the Big 12 last year. He did have a baptism by fire. He did have a, a really rough stretch of games. And, and then towards the end, uh, you know, we, we were seeing Desi Sills coming off the bench and playing more than him. Um, we were kind of seeing his role shrink. And I think he struggled to find his role. Now, he is the guard who is coming back. He is the guy who has the experience going through a grinding Big 12 schedule. I have no doubt that Tyler Perry, he's going to be a vocal leader. I think you kind of are looking to Naquan Tomlin to carry some of that. Same with Kaluma, your stars. But at the end of the day, there's only one guard on this roster who has been through a Big 12 grind, and that's Cam Carter. So I'm looking for him to play, you know, 
you know, all defensive team type of defense. I'm looking for him to really try to shut down uh, the lead guard on the other team. If you can combine that with Tyler Perry, who you have to play defense to play for Grant McCaslin like he did down at North Texas, you're going to have a dangerous backcourt when it comes to defending other Big 12 teams. Uh, and, and I think that would be absolutely massive. And if he can, you know, finish at the rim, if he can uh, develop a, a jumper, whether it's from three or mid range, that he can consistently drop shots. Again, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with Naquan Tomlin. I think that is what raises the ceiling. Because when you move into the two additions, Tyler Perry and Arthur Kaluma, folks, I, I, I think that these guys, again, I think it is unfair to put all American type of expectations on them. But Tyler Perry was the best player in Conference USA basketball basically the last two years. He was the man at a dangerous North Texas team last year uh, in a North Texas team that, that, that won the NIT. Um, a North Texas team that, that really felt hard done not to get into the NCAA tournament last year. And he did all that, like I said, having all those accolades, having those stats, uh, being able to put up those performances in the slowest team in college basketball in North Texas, which we're going to see plenty of that with uh, Grant McCaslin at Texas Tech. Uh, and, and, and I will say, Grant McCaslin, it'll be interesting to see how he does because he, he was one of those guys that were on my initial uh, shortlist on my hot board for the job opening when Bruce Weber got fired. Um so I'll be interested to see how he does at Texas Tech. Um, but once he kind of gets over kind of the shock, the initial like, oh, okay, you know, we're out and running. Hey, every shot doesn't have to be life or death because when you slow the ball down that much, every shot, every possession really is life or death. That's not what it's like in a Jerome Tang offense. I think we're going to see K-State in the upper third when it comes to pace. Uh, and, and he's going to have to adjust. And, and I do think there is going to have to be a little bit of extra uh, focus on strength and conditioning for him. But I, I think he's up for it. And I think he's going to be an all Big 12 type of guy. I, I think he's going to you know, be fighting for one of those first, uh, first team spots. Uh, and, and if not, I think he's going to be a second team type of guy. I think he's going to score plenty. He's not going to distribute the ball like Marquise Noel. And I, I think this offense is going to have to evolve a little bit and maybe be a little bit more five-out guy who can hit a shot from anywhere on the floor. I think there's going to have to be a little bit of an evolution because you don't have that you know greatest distributor in the country. So uh, we're, we're going to see what happens there. But but when you have Tyler Perry, and then again, Arthur Kaluma did it uh, in, in the second best or third best, depending on, on uh, what you want to – uh, value conference in America, an all Big East type of guy, a guy who went through the entire NBA draft prospect or process, could have probably been a second round pick. Cut, came back. I think he has two years eligibility, um, but but he's only going to have one. We we have one year with Arthur Kaluma, one with Perry, one with Tomlin, and, and this trio uh, is going to be looking to. Um, you know, do something special before Tomlin and Kaluma go to the NBA. And I, I, I think with Kaluma, you have the ability to go get your shot uh, on the drive. You have the ability to hit it from three. He's a guy who might miss a jumper at the elbow, but then he's going to come flying in and tomahawk jam, throw down his own rebound. 
Uh, this guy truly is the real deal. And, and I think when you combine that with Naquan Tomlin, again, they're not the exact same player, but they, they both have the ability to score from all three levels. They have unreal height and a great uh, wingspan. When you have two of those guys, it's going to create an absolute headache for teams all across the country. And again, Kaluma has that experience. He has uh, a lifetime of it playing high-level basketball and uh, doing it consistently in the Big East. Again, that's why if you step up, if you're able to have a consistent Naquan Tomlin who's also able to play at that uh, NBA draft pick level, and then you have two tenacious guards who are able to defend, again, Tyler Perry able to get buckets as well, all of a sudden, you have a really salty starting four. And then, oh, by the way, David Gasson, hopefully healthy after playing for his national team all summer. Again, I, I think you have a salty starting five where you can really depend on these guys to go out and get you 60 to 70 points every single game, just those five guys. Now, what you get from the bench, that's a, that's a lot more of an unknown. Um, is Dor- Darian Finister or Taj Manning going to step up in a big way? I don't think so. I have my doubts. Uh, Kez Glover, Quise Glover. I, I, I'm I'm horrible. I I, I think it's Quise Glover. Ah, again, I don't know. Again, he, he has a lot of experience. He he has uh, similar to Desi Sills, uh, although Desi played uh, some high major basketball. Uh, but he 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 really tore it up. Uh, last year at, at a low major level. Uh, we'll see what uh, Will McNair can do as a big guy backing up uh, David Gasson. Uh, what can Jarrell Colbert give you? I think Colbert can maybe get out there, protect the rim, uh, and really play a little bit more depending on the matchups. And then you have your three blue-chip freshmen, Michaela Britch, Day-Day Ames, and R.J. Jones. Uh, what can those three guys get you? Uh, again, R.J., he might be kind of a a sniper type. Sit, sit him down the corner and hit some threes. Uh, is Day-Day going to be able to give you uh, some minutes uh, You know, running the offense, being the point guard? Then Michaela Rich, Buddy Rich, that dude is just a... <laughs> he's just a bulldozer. He, he, he's built like a linebacker attacking the rim. I'm sure there's going to be games where he steps up and gives you 10 minutes and grabs you know six or seven points in those. I, I, I think this team is set up to really make some real noise, to make a lot of noise. Uh, but, but it just comes down to uh, who's going to step up in those bench rolls? Who's who's going to be able to spell guys? Who's going to be able to score coming off the bench? And then how consistent can, can the starting five be? How uh, how reliable are they going to be? Are they going to be able to stay out of foul trouble? Are they going to be able to grab rebounds? Are you going to have to all right call in the big guys uh, you know from the bench to go out and get you a rebound late in games? Um, that's all stuff that we're going to have to wait and see. I have no clue on that. I'm not going to pretend like I have any clue. I'm not going to have a prediction on that. But really, if if you can solve the rebounding problem amongst those starting five guys, and if you can find one or two guys that you can depend on for you know six to eight points every game coming off the bench, which is a tall ask, I get it. All of a sudden, this team really does look like it can be a team that's playing again in that second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Um, 
Now, if you don't get that development from Cam Carter, if David Gasson uh, gets hurt again or, or, or really just uh, is struggling hard against the post in Big 12 play, if Tomlin is inconsistent, has too many games in foul trouble, um, if all that type of stuff happens, if Tyler Perry doesn't quite uh, you know, level up against Big 12 competition, um, you know, the, the, the range of what can happen is, is so wild. Again, I, I don't see a scenario where this team doesn't make the NCAA tournament. I can see a scenario where, you know, you're on the bubble, you're, uh, you know, playing in the first four. I can see all that. Uh, and, and I can see us, you know, again, competing, making KU and, and Houston and Baylor really sweat for, for the Big 12 title this year, Texas. Um, you know, I, 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 th- I think that we can be a player and we can, if we're not going to win the title, decide who does based on, um, some big games, uh, during big 12 play. I think that is the range for this team. And, and I, I do think it's kind of wild that this is just kind of what college basketball turns into. Uh, you're going to have these wide range of outcomes for any given team because, uh, you know, any given year you're, you're trading out, you know, three fifths of your starting lineup. You know, you're, you're trading over half your roster like every given year. Uh, so I, I think anyone who sits back and looks at the landscape of college basketball and can say, hey, I know exactly what's going to happen, they're absolutely fucking liars. No, Nobody has any clue what's going to happen. Uh, and, and I do think that kind of brings a fun element to it. And, and I think the Big 12 is going to be a hell of a time. And quite frankly, I can't wait to get out to Las Vegas to see K-State play Las, uh, USC uh, to start the season. Uh, before we get to our primers, uh, some news from the coordinator press conferences. It sounds like Will Lee has been elevated to questionable for the Texas Tech game. Um, Jacob Parrish also being labeled as questionable. Uh, right now, Joe Klanderman does say he has confidence in both Keenan Garber and Justice James if they are to be the starters. Uh, Colin Klein saying we might see a little bit more Jace Brown uh, for guys that can make an impact and get on the field. Uh, amongst the young guys, and then also says, uh, this is Colin Klein, quote, I think we have a good plan for Avery moving forward this week, but obviously Will Howard is still the main guy. That makes me believe we're going to see a little bit of uh, Avery Johnson down in Lubbock, Texas, uh, so we'll see. All right, now I'm going to get it over to Mitch Fortner for the K-State primer, uh, and then uh, I, I might I might pop in and, and introduce Albie again and, and have a little bit of a transitional chat with you guys. Uh, but for now, let's go to Mitch Fortner. KC fans, the Pharaoh of First Downs is back, and uh, whatever nicknames I gave myself in Week One, I am Mitch Fortner, your public address announcer at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, Bramlage Coliseum, and Toyton Family Stadium, and also host of the game on News Radio KMAN Monday through Thursdays during football season, Monday through Friday the rest of the year, talking K State sports. And uh, Mr. Wildcat has brought me in once again to give you a K-State football preview, a K-State primer getting ready for the Texas Tech game on Saturday. And I wish I was coming to you this week under better circumstances. I remember doing the week one primer and thinking, man, I am so optimistic about this season and about running it back and going after another Big 12 championship. And now I find myself heading into Texas Tech just trying to grasp to any optimism that's still left. 
because what a downer that was against Oklahoma State losing 29-21. The defense wasn't perfect by any means, but they did what they had to do to make it a winnable ball game. Ben, but don't break defense, had to limit the big plays. And they did so, but gave up a lot of underneath stuff. But the offense, however, a different story. Will Howard throws three interceptions, and in my opinion, they were all his fault. I saw a lot of lack of effort from the wide receivers, and the offensive line did not have a solid day either, especially in the final two drives. They were not good. A lot of things that we were expecting to be shored up and corrected during the bye week were not. In some aspects, it was worse. So one key storyline for me this week heading into Texas Tech, how pissed off is this team? Because I'm pissed off. Had a lot of optimism about K-State going into Stillwater and winning that game because Oklahoma State, quite frankly, through four weeks did not look good. Two and two team struggling in every aspect of the game. They finally went away from quarterback by committee, running back by committee. K-State talent-wise should be the better team. They were not. So since the bye week didn't correct the correctable things, does the anger from the loss to Oklahoma State correct the things that the bye week didn't get done? It's possible, and I certainly hope it did. Meanwhile, of course, another storyline is everybody was wanting to see Avery Johnson in the game. I'm quite confused, actually, how Avery has not played the last couple of games. Chris Kleiman's been open about it at the press conference back on Friday night, saying that he and Colin Klein did talk about it, but they decided at the uh, at the time it wasn't the right moment to bring Avery in. And I get that in a way, but I think moving forward, you got to work Avery into the game plan in some way. And I'm not at all talking about benching Will Howard. This is a four-year investment in Will Howard. His lease is not even close to being that short. But Avery Johnson is one of the best athletes on the team, even if he is a true freshman. I like the opportunity to mix it up with Avery Johnson. I think that's a big part of this game on Saturday. Somehow use Avery Johnson. All right, one or two guys on uh, each side of the football that I think are key for this game. Against Texas Tech, I'm going to go with Keegan Johnson, and this was a big part of the Oklahoma State game that was, I think, really missing, and that was a wide receiver really stepping up, you know, of course, outside of Ben Sinnott. I was really hoping Keegan Johnson would have a breakout game against Oklahoma State. I'm going to give him one more chance, and we don't see the big game out of Keegan Johnson as in just getting a couple of more catches, you know, around 75 yards. If we can get that out of him, I see a lot of promise there. If it doesn't happen, quite honestly, I think this wide receiver unit has peaked. If it doesn't get better against Texas Tech, I don't see it getting better the rest of the year. It has probably peaked at that point. As for my K-State key player on defense, believe it or not, I'm going to go with true freshman Austin Romaine. Texas Tech is going to try to establish the run with Taj Brooks. He's been really good this year, over 600 yards so far in their six games. Due to Tyler Shuck being injured for a long time now, Baron Morton isn't as strong as a passer if Tyler Shuck is. He's just not a great performer when it comes to throwing the football. So they're going to try to establish the run. They're going to want that to be their bread and butter. K-State's got to make that a one-phase game and make Texas Tech throw the football, and hopefully the K-State secondary can take care of business. And of course, Austin being the middle linebacker is going to be a key part of stopping the run. Although I thought he had a nice game against Oklahoma State, there were a couple of times that he maybe overran what he saw in the backfield, left a wide-open gap, and Oklahoma State was able to take advantage with sizable runs. That can't be allowed. Taj Brooks is going to make you pay. He is an established and strong runner for Texas Tech. All right, a couple of keys to uh, a K-State victory on Saturday. I think it's pretty simple. It's all about the turnovers. K-State, Will Howard, offense, please take care of the football. Don't turn it over. We need one game. Need to get to that first game without an interception from Will Howard. And then on the defensive side of the football, 
please force some turnovers. Texas Tech has thrown six interceptions in six games. They've only fumbled twice. I'm asking the secondary to step up and go get some interceptions. Really, only one interception out of the two by the secondary this year has been like truly earned. You know, the second one to Jacob Parrish was you know, gift-wrapped by Timmy McClain. Go intercept some passes. Get your offense short fields, and you're going to beat Texas Tech. All right, so final score prediction. Here's what I'm going to say. I, they said last week after the loss, you know, the players were saying, like Will Howard and, and uh, Austin Moore, that maybe they listened to too much of the outside noise and that maybe they, you know, I'm going to paraphrase here, but uh, didn't respect Oklahoma State enough that they should have based by what they saw on film. Well, how about this for outside noise? And you know what? Preseason, I thought this would have been a top 25 game. Maybe both teams potentially undefeated. Both having shots at making to Arlington for a Big 12 championship. Not necessarily the case right now. Both teams still a lot to prove. But again, your outside noise is this. Texas Tech wins in a sold-out, blackout night game in Lubbock where, honestly, Joey McGuire and his team have been playing its best football at home so far in a year and a half under Joey McGuire. They get it done against K-State 34-27, the final. Hopefully, that outside noise will be some good juju for K-State football on Saturday against 3-3 Texas Tech. Once again, I'm Mitch Fortner, the host of the game on K-Man. Listen to our podcast. We uh, upload every show. Just wherever you listen to your podcast, just search for the game on 1350 K-Man and keep up with K-State sports. Also, your K-State public address announcer, and I will see you at the Bill a week from Saturday against TCU. Go Cats! And thank you to Mitch Fortner, again, best in the business, hosting a show daily over on 1350K, man, and doing Powercat Game Day. I always listen to Powercat Game Day in the build-up to K-State games. Uh, I, I love listening to it on the drive into Manhattan. It's great. Can't wait to be doing that for the TCU game here coming up soon. Um, now we're going to head over to Albie Shore of the Tortillas and Takes podcast. I am going to be on their episode that I believe is dropping on Friday as well. So, uh, check out, go over, check out Tortillas and Takes. Uh, it's, it's always amazing because, uh, they say, Hey Scott, we're going to have you on for 15 minutes. I talk for an hour and, uh, they edit their show. (laughs) They take all the kind of BS out and, uh, they edit it and, and, and make me sound great. So check out Tortillas and Takes. Check out all the great shows in the 1012 Network. Check out the 1012 Podcast, the flagship show, talking about all the teams, all the sports in the Big 12. And whenever we're playing an opponent, if you want to get uh, a long form, if, if the primer isn't enough for you, if you want a little bit more, check out whatever school we're playing in the 1012 Network. All sorts of great podcasts that I enjoy working with. So let's go to your boy, I'll be sure, my friend from Tortillas and Tanks. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, I'll be sure, from the Tortillas and Takes podcast, representing all things Texas Tech. Uh, you could find us at 
Tortillas and Takes. That's the letter N. Tortillas and Takes on Twitter. Uh, also, you can find me at Mr. Underscore I'll Be Sure on Twitter as well, or X or whatever the hell Elon Musk wants to call that that thing. Um, Mama called it Twitter, so I'm going to call it Twitter. Uh, so, I represent everything all when it comes to Texas Tech. And the vibe of how we're feeling over in West Texas is meh. Right. You know what I mean? Like, we started off the season in, in, in pretty bad shape. One and three. Two weeks straight, we're now three and three. So we're feeling a little bit better, right? We're, we're still not where we thought we were going to be at the beginning of the season, to be honest with you. At this point, at the beginning of the season, I would have thought we would have been five and one at this, at this moment, right? At the very least, five and one. But it is what it is. We're three and three. This season's adjusted, you know, and we're feeling a little bit better than we were a couple weeks ago. The problem is, though we're three and three, though we're feeling a little bit better, we played probably the two worst teams in the conference. Baylor stinks. Houston stinks. So we still don't really know just how good Texas Tech really is. Are they as good as we were when we played Houston and Baylor? Or are those two teams just that bad? Right, let me tell you, they both, I thought they were bad beforehand. They looked truly, truly bad afterwards. So, that's really what this game is going to be about against Kansas State. Just how good or bad is Texas Tech? I feel like Kansas State fans are probably thinking the same thing. Just how good or bad is our team, right? I Listen, let me tell you something. Hey, Wildcat fans, you know, we can we can be cool. Y'all, you know, y'all cool, we cool. I thought y'all were the best team in the conference coming into the season. Coming into this season, I thought I had K-State as my number one team in the Big 12. I think I had y'all as a top 15 team in the nation. I thought y'all were going to be really good. I thought Will Howard was the best quarterback in the conference. I heard this stuff about Quinn Ewers. I said, shut the hell up. Not Quinn Ewers. I heard this stuff about Dylan Gabriel. Shut the hell up. Not Dylan Gabriel. I said, Will Howard is the best quarterback in the conference. And you know what, K-State fans? Y'all have proven me wrong. All right? Uh, I watched that game against Oklahoma State. There is absolutely zero way that you can play and say that you're the best team in the conference with the best quarterback in the conference and play like that team did against Oklahoma State. No, absolutely not. So I don't think K-State's that good anymore. But I will say, I don't think y'all are bad. I'm not saying y'all are a bad team. You're 3-2 and two this year. I don't think that you're bad. And this will be a good state to see just how good or bad either team is. Right, a couple of bad losses for K State and, and at Missouri at at Oklahoma State. Those are your only two road games this year. And now you're going to road against Texas Tech. On the Tech side of things, we're at home. We've been really good at home in the Joey McGuire tenure. Uh, we just beat the hell out of Houston at home. And though we went on the road to beat play Baylor, nobody was in the stands. Did y'all watch that game? Nobody cared. Baylor has given up on that team. So we was a lot of red by the end of it there too. So it'll be interesting to see how this works. Surprisingly, we're favorites in this game by a point and a half. ESPN, also the matchup predictor, has us winning that game too. I don't know about that one, but it is a, it is going to be a very interesting game. And I think by both teams are coming into the game should uh, should be uh, it's interesting. All I can say is it's interesting. So as far as injuries, Jacob Rodriguez might be coming back in this game. So it'll be very interesting. Jacob, Jacob Rodriguez. I mean, damn, I keep saying that word again. Interesting. That's what the whole game is about. Uh, Jacob Rodriguez, former quarterback at Virginia, now is a linebacker, big boy, pretty big boy, starting linebacker this year, got hurt right off the right off rip, 
in the Wyoming game, was killing it in the first half, got hurt in that game, and he's been out with a foot injury ever since. He's going to be questionable for this game. We were told a few weeks ago that he had a chance to come back in this game, and but we just it wasn't a guarantee. Now, he's still going to be a game-time decision for this game. Unsure whether he'll actually play or not. Uh, we're hoping for, but I will say, Ben Roberts, a freshman linebacker that we were not expecting to play much this year, has stepped up in his absence and has been killing it. I think even if Jacob Rodriguez plays in this game, I don't think he starts, nor do I think he should start. I think Ben Roberts has earned the starting position at this point. But I will say, with Josiah Pierre, he came back in his first game back last week. He balled out. So you have Josiah Pierre and Ben Roberts that both are doing really good. The linebacker was kind of our weak spot coming into the season. And our star linebacker being Josiah Pierre, it was not two weeks, but didn't matter. Ben Roberts really stepped up into that place and has, has been killing it. So if we get Jacob Rodriguez back, that'd be a big bo- point there too. Uh, Bryce Ramirez had a concussion in the fi- in the last game. Um, I really don't expect him to play in this game, but apparently he's also questionable for this game uh, as, a, as another backup uh, Raider position, backup linebacker, safety there as well in Bryce Ramirez. Cole Spencer's been dealing with injury problems all year on the O-line there. Um, it's going to be another questionable piece. I don't know if he'll play. And then Mason Tharp. Mason Tharp is our big six foot nine. Giant at tight end, but you saw last week Baylor Cup at tight end score two touchdowns. Again, these are guys that we don't need to play if they don't play. If if, if there's something comes up and they don't have, we don't need them. I'm actually okay with all of these guys necessarily not playing. The guy I would want to play the most is probably Cole Spencer, beef up that O line, especially going up against a really good K State D line. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, so talking about Texas Tech. That's, that's why I came on here to talk a little bit about the team and individually. Offensively, players to watch out for. Y'all already know Todd Brooks. Like if, if you're listening to the Bosco boys, you're listening to this, you should already know who Todd Brooks is. Star running back, third in the conference right now in, in, in rushing, and that's with the first th- three weeks of the season. We just decided not to even give him the ball. Um, and he's still third in the conference in rushing. He, he's a beast, a dog. I think he's now getting to the point where people are – Tech fans starting to look at him as, is he one of the best running backs we've seen? Right, Definitely the best running back, in my opinion, that we've seen since uh, DeAndre Washington, who who played in the NFL. I think Todd Brooks has NFL aspirations, too, and the way he's the way he is is just incredible. It's not just the fact that we're giving him the ball. It's He's finding the holes. He's he's making guys miss. He's breaking tackles. He's been, been great this year. Um, so you know Todd Brooks, but you also have a really good front seven, so it's going to be very interesting to see how the O-line running game goes against K-State's front seven. I'm actually going to go ahead and look at the receiver side of things and say and there's been a lot of questions this year on our receivers and, and players gaining separation and making things happen. Jerome Bradley was a preseason All-Big 12 team. He, he hasn't necessarily stepped up to the plate there. Um, but Loic Fungi actually had a really good game against Houston, and I think he could have a really good game back at home again. Logan Fungi is a guy that actually has played a lot better at home than he has on the road. And I want, and I think he could be a, a, a big asset for Baron Morton. Morton and Fungi, they have a close relationship back to when they were in high school. And so I think Fungi benefits Baron Morton being the quarterback more than anybody else. And of course... Baron Morton. I mean, he's the quarterback. Beginning of the year, I said I made a statement and I said that I thought Baron Morton was the best backup quarterback in the Big Twelve. Um, I know some fans from other teams didn't disagree, didn't agree, uh, especially your your bo- your friends out in Lawrence, Kansas. But uh, I still think Baron Morton's good. I do question just how good is he. 
right? Um, we still haven't seen it yet because we've been switching and we went to more of a running game the last few games. We still don't know how good he is, truly how good he is. He had a really bad interception in the last game against uh, Baylor. And we haven't asked him to do too much yet. Let's face it. For K-State, your front seven is very good. The weakness is the secondary. This may be the game where we have to try to take advantage of that secondary. And we're going to really see, are we going to get Oklahoma State burn more? And last year against Oklahoma State, he balled out until he hurt his ankle. Are we going to get that guy again? Or is this game manager going to be the guy? I'm going to give props to Jeremy Gillum. He came up with something, or my, my uh, co-host on Tortillas and Takes, where he said, it is time for Baron Morton to go from a game manager to a game changer. Absolute bar from Jeremy, and I think that's what we're going to need from him. Defense side of the ball, we have the mayor, Tony Bradford, um, and the, the governor, <laughs> Jalen Hutchins. We like to call them at Tortillas and Takes. We like to call them the law firm, actually, a law firm of Hutchins and Bradford, because those two D tackles in the middle have disrupted everything for everybody from, the ver- from day one against Wyoming to last week. There's not a guard-center combo in the conference that is not scared of these two guys. They both played incredible. Uh, against Baylor, we actually finally saw Steve Linton off the edge get three sacks in that game. He was highly regarded, transfer coming in, was looking at, had NFL aspiration, but hadn't had a great season up until last week. And so has he has he got that going? He's going to have a nice little test here against your K-State O-line. Um, and then the secondary. This is one of the better secondaries that we've seen from Texas Tech. Uh, good corners with, with Rayshad Williams and Malik Dunlap. Malik Dunlap right now, second in the conference in interceptions with three. Should have had a fourth. We're gonna we're not going to talk about it um, anymore because if that fourth would happen, who knows, maybe we beat Oregon. Anyways, um, but secondary is really good. Um, you know, so that's that's some of the pieces that we have there. As far as what to watch out for there is our run defense. You can look, if you look at, you know, you got your traditional stats and your nerd stats, right? Traditional stats will tell you, oh, well, Texas Tech has had the ball run on them a, a, a bit, right? Tra- traditional stats will say, oh, well, you know, y'all tell me that Texas Tech's supposed to be good at the rush defense, but uh, are they really, you know, they right now, traditional stats, if I look at it, says that Texas Tech is a middle of the pack type of type of run defense team. We give up 126 yards on the ground. Excuse me. Are we really that good? But the nerd stats, shout out to Stats of War, will tell you that no, Texas Tech, we're we're him. We're him, if you will. Um, so our EPA defensively uh, defensively, we are a top 10 team in the entire country when it comes to EPA per rush. Um, y'all should be very familiar with that because guess who's fourth? Kansas State. So it is very, very much going to be that damned if you will, damned if you won't type of situation here. We have a run offensive team in Kansas State going up against a run defensive team in Texas Tech. And then a run offensive team in Texas Tech going up against a run defensive team in, in Kansas State. Both teams are top 10 in EPA per rush, both offensively and defensively. So you're kind of, you got Spider-Man memes going up against each other. It'll be very interesting to see. Keys to the wins for up to the win for us, for Texas Tech. We, again, we need Baron Morton to be a game changer. I think if Baron Morton shows up, especially if Kansas State's able to take away the run from Todd Brooks, if he shows up, then that could be the difference right there. Right, if it is such, you know, especially with his legs, he's more athletic than Tyler Shuck. I know we like to have Tyler Shuck doing all these bully ball runs. Baron Morton's an athlete; he's legitimately more athletic than than Tyler Shuck, and actually kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Will Howard in that aspect. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that quarterback battle may be the key to who wins the game, who plays better between the two of them, Morton versus Howard. Um, there, but my score prediction. You know, I predicted Texas Tech wins the last two weeks. 
and it's we're we're gonna we're gonna keep it going for for the sense of it all uh, for the theme here. So I'm gonna go ahead. Uh, Scott, this is tough. I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, K, uh, Texas Tech wins to move to four and three, right? And we win the game thirty-one to thirty. Thirty-one to thirty. Gino Garcia hits the game-winning field goal. 31-30. It's about time we beat Kansas State. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of losing to y'all every year. Every year, Texas Tech says, oh, Kansas State, we should be able to beat this team. Right? And, oh, we play the game, and, oh, Kansas State, we have this game in hand. And every year, y'all beat us. Every year. And it's funny because Texas Tech fans don't realize just how dominant Kansas State has been over Texas Tech. It is, it is, it's It's bad. It's bad. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say we break the, we break the streak right now. Texas Tech wins 31 to 30. Uh, so remember, follow us on Twitter at Tortillas and Takes. Follow me at Mr. Underscore I'll be sure. Tell me all the reasons why I suck and I'm terrible. And I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Also make sure to listen to our podcast as we do our preview for the K-State game. Uh, Scott will be on our podcast to talk a little bit about it and give us the reasons why, uh, we're stupid and suck and stink and why K-State will dominate Texas Tech. So uh, make sure to go over there. So, again, my name is Albie Shore from the Tortillas and Takes podcast. As always, stay wrecked, people. And thank you to Albie Shore. And again, shout out to the 1012 Network and to my friends over at Tortillas and Takes. Uh, all right, let, let's uh, talk before we do, because uh, I, I want to talk about uh, K-State volleyball, K-State women's basketball before we call it a day. Before we do, I want to give a shout-out to my friends over at Charlie Hustle, recording this on Thursday the 12th. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a big Thursday night football game. I'm rocking my Arrowhead Collection uh, gray fleece crew neck sweatshirt, the most comfortable thing in the world, and underneath it, my Felix Amy DK. Uzama shirt. That's right. Even when you're supporting the pro football team, you can keep it real with your Felix and your DK Uzama shirts. And again, so much great officially licensed K-State gear. And I, I heard from a little birdie, I heard from a little friend that there's going to be a new drop here sometime between now and Christmas time. Don't worry. Specifically for K-State basketball season. So keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes open. It's going to be a great one. And again, hey, we're going to have a giveaway uh, this upcoming month. So keep your eyes on the Bosco's Boys Twitter account uh, so we can have a fun time. Uh, I, I want to give a shout out to the uh, K-State volleyball team um, because, look, they they hit a rocky, rocky start um, after kind of a soft start to the uh, to the season, but they just picked up two wins out of their last three games. They split with Baylor. They got their first win over Baylor since 2018, and then they swept Iowa State, number 25 ranked Iowa State. They came in nine and three, I think four and one in Big 12 play, and K State got the sweep over Iowa State. And that's two wins over top 25 teams the first time since 2018 as well. And Jason Mansfield really has this team uh, looking good. They're playing good. 
and, and it's a, and it's an electric team. Uh, you know they they do all the fun stuff about volleyball. They're up. Uh, you know, blocking great defense at the net, some explosive outside hitters uh, when they're going on attack, and then they have some great defensive players as well, getting down on the floor, saving stuff. Um, I, I've been very entertained with K-State Volleyball, and I hope they keep it going. Again, I, I, I don't know if they're going to end up having enough juice to get into the NCAA tournament. The lucky thing about the schedule, though, and about the Big 12, the Big 12, I believe, is the number two conference in college volleyball this year. And you're going to have plenty of opportunities for quality wins to to go after that tournament berth. They are at UCF 6 p.m. Uh, on Saturday. It's on ESPN+. Plus, so uh, not a great time uh, considering when the football game kicks off. But you can probably get that first set in. Uh, before uh, the K-State football game kicks off and have it on second screen. And then they're on the road at Oklahoma on uh, Thursday the 19th and then Friday the 20th, so next week. Then they're back home for a Thursday-Friday swing uh, before that K-State-TCU matchup with number 9 BYU. I actually might be trying to get out to that Friday night game. Uh, We'll see if I can make it happen or not. Uh, but, but again, there's going to be plenty of games for this team to rise to the occasion and uh, make the NCAA tournament. Truthfully, the next three games, despite being on the road, are going to be absolutely massive for this team if they do want to make the NCAA tournament. If you're able to win two of three or if you're able to win all three of them, you're setting yourself in a position where you have four games versus top 20, or actually five straight games versus top 20 teams with BYU, Kansas, and Texas. Two versus BYU, two versus KU, and one versus Texas. Setting yourself up that if you grab two of those games, you should be able to close out with two home games versus Texas Tech and then on the road at number 21, Houston. You're going to have a shot to get into the NCAA tournament. I think still think they have a lot of work. I still think they probably need to be right at or above 500 from from the run in which is going to be tough with this schedule but again if you can rack up those wins every single win is going to be a quality win from here on out so fingers crossed that Jason Mansfield and the volleyball team can find some magic down the stretch and get into the NCAA tournament finally I'm going to wrap up talking about uh, the K-State women's basketball team because I think that this is a women's basketball team that has the potential to be the most exciting, be the most fun, and quite honestly, be the best team since that last Big 12 championship in 2008. Now, I don't, I don't know if if this team is going to be capable of winning a Big 12 title. Texas and Baylor, and it, it sucks to say, but even Kansas, they're all going to be very salty teams. I, I think you're going to have some of the talent, but can Jeff Mitty bring it all together again? All the talk has been about Aoka Lee. I mean, they're producing a documentary about her comeback, and this girl is an All-American. She's one of the most prolific and dominant forces in women's basketball. She set the single-game record for points in women's basketball, and in that year, there was only two NBA guys who scored more than her. No collegiate player scored more than her. Division one uh, collegiate player, men's or women's, scored more than her that year, and, and she really brings an unstoppable force. If Aoka Lee is on, there's no one in the nation who can guard her and can stop her, and that's what's exciting because, again, you also have Gabby Gregory, who was a unanimous first-team preseason all-conference selection. When you have 
two superstars. It's very similar to K-State basketball from two thousand or uh, from, from this past season with Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel. You had two players that every time when they walked on the court, you can make an argument that they were the two best players. And that made it that they could win just about any game. Just about any game on K-State's schedule, they're going to be capable of getting it done and winning because they have Gabby Gregory and Aoka Lee. Now, Aoka Lee can't get her own shot. You know that That's where things are a little different. But again, you get her down in the post, she's a dominant scorer. you got Serena Sundell in her third year, and she's really come into her own and, and really is on a borderline of being a superstar player. There's potential that on the first and second team in the postseason all-conference league, you could have three players with Serena Sundell, with Gabby Gregory, with Aoka Lee. It's very similar to the men's side, having a big three all capable of being dominant forces in the Big 12. And that's what's exciting. And then again, you have the Glenn Twins who are in their third year playing major college basketball. You have Eliza Moppin who's in her second year in big time college basketball. You have Giselle Sanchez who spent her entire summer playing overseas with the Spanish national team. You have two transfers coming in from the uh, you know Final Four elite or uh, Louisville team, including Zeanna Walker, who was the Gatorade Player of the Year uh, in uh, Wichita Heights back in Kansas. She's a redshirt freshman. Then you have another redshirt freshman coming in from the uh, Louisville team, uh, Amani Lester, who was a blue chip recruit in her own right. So again, you have the talent. You, you could make an argument that if you're looking purely off of recruiting rankings and, and, and all that stuff, that this is the most talented team at K-State. So can you gel it all together? Can you bring it all together? And can Jeff Mitty lead this team to make noise in the Big 12, make noise in the NCAA tournament, host ha, have a seeded uh, squad and, and be able to host those first two rounds in the NCAA tournament? Can, can he get a four seed out of this team? Look, the talent's there. Uh, how far along has Aoka Lee gotten in her rehab? Can these secondary stars in Serena uh, Sundell, uh, Zeanna Walker, uh, Sanchez, all, all these players, Moppin, all, all these supporting role players, can they step up, take that next step up? And can they be playmakers? Jeff Mitty had a conversation, uh, the March Madness Twitter account. They were doing a tour of some of the big-time uh, women's programs this summer, and they toured K-State, and they were talking to Jeff Mitty, and he said the difference between being a good team and being a great team, it isn't offense, it isn't defense, it isn't rebounding. It's having playmakers, having players on your team who are willing to go out there, lay it all on the line for the sole purpose of winning. Do you have enough of those players on this team? Again, we don't know that. We we, we don't know what Gabby Gregory is going to look like with Aoka Lee out there. We don't know what the development of Serena Sundell with another year in the program is going to be. But it's going to be an exciting year, and I know I'm going to try to get into Bramlage. There's a couple double headers with the men that I'm going to try to get in there and make sure I see. They're playing uh, actually in the... Uh, what are they calling it? The the Bill Snyder Classic. They're playing Missouri. Um, where is in St. Joseph? There it is. The Bill Snyder Classic uh, in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri, on December 9th. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. They're hosting Wisconsin. That's going to be a great one. They're playing at Iowa on November 16th. Remember that was the big win for K State. 
Um, you know, fans rushing the, I don't know if they actually got onto the court, but that was the big win in the non-conference that you were able to take down one of the best teams in all of college basketball, uh, on your home court and you were able to get that done. So you're having to go on the road, you get Wisconsin coming back. So you have two games in, uh, the middle of November. That's really going to be nice early tests for this team before things get going in the big 12. So I'm going to be dialed in on it. Again, you get a lot of, uh, you know, national TV games. Again, a lot of stuff on ESPN Plus and Big 12 now. But that Iowa, that game versus Iowa, that's on Fox Sports 1. You got a game with Texas on ESPNU. You got a game versus uh, uh, Baylor on uh, Fox Sports 1. You have a game versus Texas on FS1. You have a game versus KU on ESPN2. This is a team that the college basketball world wants to watch. And again, women's basketball is exploding in popularity. If you look at some of the ratings that they're getting, ESPNU versus Texas. Again, this is a squad. This is a team that TV executives, that people want to be watching. Uh, so I really think that K-State fans, I, I, I think it is well worth your time to get to know this team, to watch this team when you can, get out to games when you can, because I think it's going to be entertaining. I think it's going to be fun. Um, and I really do think they are worth that investment uh, from you guys as a fan. We'll see what happens. Again, as things get going, I'm going to try to do a good job uh, talking about it, not not just kind of uh, touching on it you know, once every other month, because I think they're going to have a big year. Um, and if they have the type of year that I think they're capable of, I'm going to try my best to get on Brian Smoller as much as I can. I'm going to try to get on the guys from Aggieville Alley Cats who really are dialed in on this team to try to expand our coverage. Because if these teams are going to give us uh, a reason, if they're going to win, you know, I, I, we all like to talk, hey, we, we want more winners at K-State. If these teams are going to win, we're going to talk about them here at Bosco's Boys. We're going to give them the coverage they deserve. And again, I, I hope we're able to do that for volleyball. I hope they ramp up and make a run at this postseason. And I think, and I really hope uh, that the women's team is going to give us a season to remember as well. That said, that is all we have for this episode. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company again. Uh, I, I can't I can't say enough good things about Manhattan Brewing Company. Um, they they've really helped this show uh, drive forward. They've been great partners. Some honestly the best podcast sponsors I could hope for. Um, check them out the next time you're in Manhattan. Let them know Bosco's Voice sent you. Take a picture of your beard. Find the sticker. There, there's a couple Bosco's Voice stickers inside the brewery. Send me a picture. Prove you there. Um, and, and and check out Charlie Hustle. Uh, again, they are a great Kansas City company that they were riding with me uh, that when, when they launched their college campus camps uh, capsules last summer, rode with us all the way through basketball season. They came back because of the de- dedication of you guys, the Boneheads, and because I think they like what we're doing here at Bosco's Boys, and we love what they're doing over at Charlie Hustle. They give back to so many causes in the Kansas City community. And again, there's all sorts of companies out there. I get it. But when one in your backer that actually cares about the community, cares about relationships with the schools, Charlie Hustle, they're sending people up to Manhattan to to do shoots. They're doing NIL deals with players. Folks, Charlie Hustle is one of those companies 
that that want to have a relationship with you and want to have a relationship with Kansas State University, and they're right here in Midwest. Again, no shade to any of the other companies, but they're, they're by this region for this region. So check them out. Even if you're not buying K-State stuff, they have all sorts of great Kansas City heart stuff, Arrowhead Collection, Sporting Cup Club Collection, Crown Town Collection, all sorts of great stuff, and it is so comfortable. And it's the best-looking stuff. So check them out. All right, that's all I have. For those great sponsors, for Chauncey, the best dog in the world. Let's go get a dub on Saturday. My name is Scott McFarland, a.k.a. Scott Wildcat. Be a friend. Tell a friend something nice. You might change their life. They, you might make their day. Go make somebody's day. Make someone smile. We love you guys. But above all else, go Cats. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Network.